You heard me say it, and I believe it wholeheartedly, that if you lead with identity, everything else will follow. But I've had the experience in my work of coming in contact with individuals who want what follows, but aren't willing to lead with identity. It used to bother me and I could not figure out why they did not want to lead with identity. Then it dawned on me that people think that doing identity work means that you're broken. When in fact, it has nothing to do with brokenness and it's not an attempt to fix you. Identity work is about coming in alignment with who you are and not fixing, but honoring who you are and building a brand that is most authentic to who you are. So if you're ready to leave with identity and become a supernormal superstar, visit YourSupernormal.com right now and let's do the work. reason why we don't really experience the results that we desire is because we say we desire one thing, but then internally we are working against what we desire because we often work against our identities by trying to shape them, by trying to, by trying to um, make them be a thing, by trying to contextualize them, by trying to judge it, by trying to reshape it and change our lives. What if we don't change our life? What if we don't need to change our lives? What if we're just perfectly fine who in, who, as who we are and where we are right now because when I do identity work I'm not doing identity work because there's fundamentally something wrong with you I'm doing identity work so that I can help you identify what's blocking you from being the most authentic version of yourself and then whatever you desire at that fundamental level because a lot of times we will have desires that were given to us but they're not necessarily innate in us welcome to the multi-dimensional intelligence podcast I am your host your trusted voice of transformation clifton pettyjohn join me as i engage in ingenious conversations with top creators from around the world who have embraced their dimensions of intelligence within their professional personal and spiritual paths of transformation what's up everybody my name is clifton pettyjohn that's right i am your trusted voice of transformation and clarity. I teach creators how to transform their lives through embracing the entirety of their best self. I want to welcome you to the multi-dimensional intelligence podcast where I have conversations with top creators from around this world. And today is no different. Today is no different. But before we get to that, let's do our breathing exercises. Take a deep breath in through your nose. Hold it. Breathe out. One more time. Take a deep breath in. Sit with it. Now breathe out. If you were able to complete that exercise, that means number one, there is breath remaining in your body. Therefore, purpose remains. And then number two, what you did was you went back to your past. You know, those past failures, those past successes, those past experiences. You went back to the past. You went back to those woulda, coulda, shouldas. If I could just have one more conversation, if I didn't say this, we're pulling all of that energy. Then we're going to go to the future. I'm dreaming about, I believe, I want, I desire. It's going to be better. Wait till you see it. We're going to pull that energy. We're going to merge that energy with the energy of the present, the energy of the present. No, we are not attempting to take past energy, future energy, and make it present energy. No, we're going to merge it with the energy of the present. Those three energies are going to work together and create that synergy. That synergy that's created is you, a.k.a. your best self, a.k.a. your present self. Why? Your best self, not in comparison to any version of yourself, but it is an understanding that when you are present, when you have embraced everything about you, because it is every decision that you have made. It is everything that you have done to get you to this point that has made you exactly who you are. You change one thing and you alter the trajectory of your life. If I change one thing, I'm not sitting behind this microphone right now with you. So I no longer want to change anything. I'm just embracing everything as it is and as I am. And I understand it's a part of my intelligence. It's a part of my identity and it's a part of my greatness.
And that's what I want you to understand on today. So embrace it today, baby. That's why we breathe. That's why we take the time not just to breathe because we breathe without even knowing it. That's how we were created. But we develop a relationship with our breathing. And if you can develop a relationship with your breathing, there's so many benefits to that, but we're not talking about that on today. Listen, this is the first podcast of the year. Happy New Year to each and every one of you. Uh, thank you for all of your support throughout, you know, the years that we've been podcasting and the other endeavors that I've had. I appreciate each and every one of you. If you are a new listener, I appreciate you as well. And I hope that you'll take time to hit that subscribe button so that you can stay connected to, to us on whatever platform you are listening. Also, we encourage you to leave your feedback, you know, give us a star rating, leave your comments about the podcast. We are always open to honest feedback. Today's podcast will be commercial free. There will be no commercials, no ads, because I want to get this podcast out to you without any interruptions. So before we get to that, I do want to drop this real quick ad. I want you to head over to www.transformuinstitute.com. I just dropped a catalog of webinars, courses, It's some great content over there. Hit over there, sign up. You don't sign up. I want you to sign up for our mailing list so you can stay connected to us. All right. So let's get to today's episode. A couple of weeks ago, I had the opportunity to sit down with one of my closest friends, Michael Weston. Okay. (laughs) I'm laughing y'all because I was so serious and intense on this interview or during this interview. And he even says it in the interview, but I didn't recognize it until I started editing. And you guys know, I'm usually not like that at all. Uh, And I'm definitely not like that when him and me are having conversations, but I really wanted to get across the seriousness or uh, the impact that his work has had on my life. Uh, He is an identity strategist, something I had never heard of before. You know, honestly, I'd never heard of it before, didn't understand what it was. And then I took the cohort. I took his cohort that he offers. And that cohort revolutionized my life, my view on business, and even with podcasting. It it helped me uh, bring a lot of things into perspective, and it brought about so much clarity y'all so much clarity so i wanted to invite him on to share with you because i don't just want to experience these things i want to make sure that everyone that is connected to me to whatever capacity you're connected to me are able to experience everything that i'm able to experience so he came on we talk about his business and i also want to encourage you don't just listen to the podcast i want you to or the episode i want you to listen But after that, I want you to check out his website. And if you know, which I know with many of you, you know, it would be beneficial, beneficial, (laughs) beneficial for you to sign up for either program that he is offering. You need to do it without hesitation. And after you sign up, let me know that you signed up. Okay. So let's get to the podcast. You've heard to the episode. You've heard enough from me on today. Help me welcome Michael Weston to the show. Thank you for having me. So glad to be on with you. Let's see where we go with this today. Listen, let's go. Let's go. So I always like to start with an icebreaker question. Um, I do not know the icebreaker question until I ask it. So we're going to go ahead and start that way. And today's icebreaker question is, what are your top three movies of all time? Top three movies of all time. Now, can I do this by franchise? Can I make sure. like put two movies together because they're a franchise. Sure. Okay. Uh, we'll do it in this order. Uh, Sister X one and two, uh, the sound of music. And then honestly Inglorious bastards. I know those are like very, but yes. <laughs> okay. Okay. I see two. Does Inglorious bastard. I've never seen that. Does that have a music theme as well? No. So it, it has a, um, it has a Nazi theme to it. Okay. You know, I'm, you know, I'm obsessed with oh, yeah, culture. Yeah. So, uh, you know, that I think that the sound of music is a tie between the two because, you know, they have the whole Nazi thing going on in there, but there's also the music okay. element in there. So I think it's like a weird little bridge. So, okay. cool, cool. 
All right. So now, listen, before I let you introduce yourself, I do like to ask this question. The name of the podcast is Multidimensional Intelligence. So I always like to see how our guests define intelligence. Intelligence. Well, I often say, you've heard me say this, that there's a key difference between our brains and our minds. Our brains are the things that function inside of our heads that allow us to process thoughts. But the thing about the brain is that the brain cannot reproduce, cannot, cannot create. The brain can only receive and, 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 uh, register and then, you know, utilize it to, uh, partner other information that it already has with the new information that it's receiving. But what the difference between the brain and the mind is, is that the mind is a level of consciousness beyond our brains and beyond our understanding. That's what I would call a supernormal understanding or a supernormal knowing. And so when I think about the word intelligence, intelligence really is that knowing intelligence is really operating from and having access to that level of supernormal knowing or having access to that consciousness or that mind outside of the brain, outside of the functions of the brain. I like that. And we're going to go back to that a little more into the conversation. But for now, I want you want to give you the opportunity to introduce yourself to our listening audience. Well, hello, I am Michael Andrew Weston. I am the founder and I guess you call it CEO of uh, Supernormal, which is a service that provides identity strategy for professionals and business owners. Um, essentially what we do is, and what I'm saying we like is more than one person is myself, but essentially what I do is I help people to use their identities to uh, create marketable business, businesses and careers. And so um, that's really who I am when I do beyond that. I also am the president of the Indiana Fashion Foundation and the leader of a community um, called the Reform, um, which they have dubbed the people who are part of the community have dubbed a place where you can simply be. Um, that's who I am in a nutshell. Awesome. Now let's talk about this identity strategy um, again. Now, before I met you, I had never heard of identity strategy. I didn't know what identity strategy was. However, I have been able to benefit greatly from your program. <laughs> so I want to know how you came up with the concept and why you feel that is so important for business owners and professionals. Um, well, it's interesting. Um, I got started at the age of 13, I believe 13 or 14, uh, doing graphic design, uh, which ultimately led me to um, a marketing apprenticeship. And so I did marketing for uh, some time. Um, while I was uh, running a business called Microphone Marketing Solutions, um, I got hired by a school to do a uh, enrollment and retention uh, plans. And when I was there, I was really trying to figure out why the numbers were not staying uh, up, why they weren't getting new students. And so I started a research um, and hopefully I'm, I'm taking a long way around. So as I usually do, but um, I was researching internally um, through investigation, through questions, trying to get this qualitative data. And so I was asking a, a specific, uh, like line of questions to students, to, uh, current parents, current students, the staff, and then potential students and potential, potential parents that came into the school. Well, long story short, I discovered that, uh, what the school was promising they were not delivering is not the experience that parents and students and teachers were having with the school. Um, and that kind of led me down a journey to realize that I wasn't really dealing with marketing in my business. Um, so I eventually transitioned into marketing. Uh, marketing deals with your front-facing um, identity, how people know you, how people, how you're represented in the public eye. And so that branding bit, you know, it, it goes to packaging, it goes to your programs, it goes to, you know, how you take calls, your, your customer experience, your user experience, your website. I mean, branding goes into all of that, but there's a key element that um, the branding uh, work was missing was that there's an internal factor. I believe that behind every business, behind every career, behind anything is a person. Um, and I won't go into the other parts because I'm sure that you'll ask me about this later. But and so when I was doing my branding work, I was having a breakdown on a client level because even though I had 
clients and I was doing the work and things were going well um, in, in regards to, you know, me being productive in the way that we know productivity is, I was having a breakdown at the client level because I was not able to really do the deep work that I needed to do. And so as a result, the clients weren't yielding the results that I was hoping they would yield and that I think they were hoping that we yield as well. And so because of that, I found myself in this place really frustrated to the point where I got worn out. Well, once I got to that place of wear out, I was like at a space where I was staying up until four o'clock in the morning. I was um, wearing myself out just doing things that weren't even in my service agreements to do, things that weren't in my in my contract to do. I was just doing stuff uh, and I couldn't understand what was going on. And so it led me to a place where I really had to step back and reevaluate why I was doing what I was doing and, you know, what I was expecting. And I remember a coach of mine, uh, and she's a friend of mine as well, um, named Shauna Van Bogart, asked me a question. She asked me, who do you want to work with? And that started me on a trajectory, started me on a trajectory because I had no clue who I wanted to work with. I had no clue what kind of people I wanted to work with. I had no clue what kind of uh, clients, what my ideal client was. And so that led me down this journey. And so I locked myself into a, in a room for seven days, really just to get clear on who it is that I wanted to work with, who it is that I am, what it is that I was doing in my business. And in that process, I started journaling and in my journaling, I discovered something that I was not a brander. I discovered that I was somebody who worked at identity level. Um, the context for what I do didn't exist. I didn't have any understanding exactly of how it would, how I would transition or how I presented in the forefront, but I was able to tie the, the issues that I was having in my business to, I mean, things such as childhood trauma, I was able to tie it to um, my me having questions about my own value. And I'm saying all this just to set up a conversation, but uh, I was having, you know, this, this whole conversation internally about, about how I, how I'm presented when the truth of the matter is I really need to be focusing on who it is that I was. And so I got to identity strategy because I realized that even in my branding work, I was dealing with who the person was at a fundamental level. Uh, and then how they presented was the result of that, not the opposite. I think a lot of times people build businesses, build careers, and then they find that there's no space for them in their careers or in their businesses. And so they try to fit themselves in. They like, they'll say, I need to take some time out for me or whatever. But if we lead with identity, one of the things that I always say in my business is that if we lead with identity, everything else will follow. And so what identity strategy does and how I even got started on that trajectory is going through marketing, branding, and then coming to a place where I felt I understood and that it was necessary for me to be the person uh, that I wanted to serve. And ultimately, that's why now my business is, is in the space that it's in what I'm doing. I'm doing what I'm doing. That's so powerful because I think many of us work backwards. Yeah. You know, we all have these these epiphanies while we're wrapped up in something that if we can get this identity work done in the beginning, we may not have to experience. Now, yeah. you talked about the experience, the experience. Now, from a business perspective, can you go a little deeper in what the experience is? Because I think that even as, you know, entrepreneurs, sometimes we might overlook the reality of the experience that somebody may actually be having versus what we perceive that they are having. You know, you're so very serious. Your face is so intense right now and it's cracking me up. I didn't want you to go off the screen because your face is so intense and I was just like really enjoying that. Um, but, um, the experience, if we, if we talk about the experience, um, you know, if I talk about a brand experience, for instance, um, I'm dealing with, you know, I could be dealing with a number of things, right? I could be dealing with, uh, people's interaction with your website, uh, when people call your business, how, how you answer the phone. But when I talk about, the experience, you know, here's the truth of the matter. A lot of people make these brand promises. A lot of people say, this is what my business does. This is who we are. And this is what you can expect from us. And then when people actually encounter them, the experience is different, but that happens at a fundamental level that happens at an identity level because you don't have the wherewithal a lot of times 
to uh, you don't have the wherewithal to actually be that person or to give people that particular experience. And so when I talk about the experience, I'm talking about not just the experience in the tactical things and the things that you put in place for people, but I'm talking about the experience that you are. I'm talking about how you're showing up as an individual. And at that identity and that fundamental level, what I call that supernormal level, who you are, that supernormal level will come through. The thing is that I, I, I've said it and, um, and I think you've heard me say it too, that, um, you, uh, whatever is, whatever a person presents to you, right? Whatever comes out of a person can only come out of them because it's in them. I'm not implying that that's who they are. Sometimes we say things that we don't necessarily mean, but this just because it's not a characteristic of us at our, our core identities, but because it comes out of us, it is in us. And so sometimes there are things in us and things that working in us or things that uh, we're battling with or challenged with internally that actually prevent us from showing up as who we are. And so it messes up the experience of who we are and then our experience in life. And so when I talk about the experience, I'm talking about you getting to that core that core of who you are and really presenting who it is that you are in the purest and in the most clear and concise way. Now that's, I, I want to stay right there presenting ourselves in the most pure and precise way, because I feel like that's where a lot of people struggle at. I, I've shared here on the podcast, how I struggle with presenting myself as myself, even with business, you know, the playful nature of who I was like, I, was so as you were talking, I was laughing when you said about the serious because that's how I was all the time. Okay. Well, not all the time, but like publicly, that's how I was all the time. But how does one get to that space where they can finally become comfortable with embracing, you know, the entirety of who they are and present that even within their business? Presenting the entirety of who they are. And this is so good. I think the first answer to that is uh, probably the obvious one is you have to know who you are. Right. Um, and I think a lot of people, when we talk about knowing who we are, we think about these, these little nuances about who we are. And we think about these little things like, I don't, I don't like watermelon and I, you know, I don't do this or I do that. You know, we think about quirks and things like that. But when I talk about identity, when I talk about who a person is, I'm not talking about this set uh, the set group of characteristics or nuances or quirks that, uh, that, you know, people know you for. What I'm talking about, when I talk about that identity and I talk about that pure and that, 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 that concise and that precise and that in depth and that core level of who you are, I'm really talking about a thing that's constantly in flux. One thing we have to know about identity is identity is constantly in flux. And when I say flux, I don't mean that it's ever like, changing, but it's ever in flow. The word flow, one of the definitions is flux. And so identity is constantly in flow. And so we're we're constantly evolving into another version of ourselves, constantly evolving into another version, version of ourselves. And so as we're in that flow and as we're in that flux, we have to be flexible enough to understand that who I am today, if I wake up tomorrow, because I've had a perspective change or because I've had a, 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 you know, they say an aha moment because I've had that, then I no longer am the person that I was yesterday. And so when I talk about uh, that precise identity, I'm not talking about being able to lock down and nail down th these characteristics, but also, but more so being in touch with all of who and you are and all of what you are and allowing those things to flow freely in you and through you, because as you allow them to flow freely and through, through you, that's get, that gives people the most authentic, going back to this word, gives them the most authentic experience with you and experience of you. And you're also giving that to yourself with yourself. And when you give that to yourself, then you're able to explore things that perhaps you wouldn't have explored before. And th that means you're able to become that next part, that next version of yourself. You'll be able to be able to flow into that next iteration of your identity. And so that's really how we do it. We do it by simply allowing the flow to happen and, and dissociating it or untethering it from these characteristics or from our association, from who we know, what we know, what we have access to, what our gifts are, what our talents are, what our skills are, separating our identity from that and really understanding it as a as a 
a, a flowing and and constantly in flux being sense of being and at where nobody and you know one of my friends regina always says that nobody is one thing all the time and that's the beautiful thing about identities that you're not required to be one thing all the time you have the freedom to flow in the many dimensions of your identity i like that i like that now here, here's a question i get a lot and i want to hear your perspective on it because we're talking about identity we're talking about the flow of it now the concept of I'm trying to better myself, I'm looking for a better version of myself, one day I will be a better version of myself. Is that the same concept or is this a different concept? Well, I'm going to challenge the word better, first of all, um, because what is better, right? Um, we can have a conversation about what a good person is. And we're going to, if I ask 10 people, I'm going to get 10 different answers about what a good person is because, you know, the concept of good, bad, the concept of right, wrong, all relative. Um, it's funny, uh, me saying that in the context from where I come from, I probably get in a lot of trouble, but, uh, but you know, that that's all relative. Right. And so talking about being a better person, uh, we can have that conversation, but better in context of what better in relation to what better than you were the day before, uh, better than, you know, and then what are, what are the measurements of better? And so what I think is more precise and what is more, uh, uh, accurate is not to aim to be better, but just to be right. Uh, I think the more accurate, uh, goal if we're going to have one is simply to be what does that mean being a better version of myself uh a lot of times when we talk about being a better version of ourselves we're talking about mistakes that we've made or things that we didn't do right but the truth of the matter is is that those things that we call mistakes are simply us disappointing our own expectations and sometimes us just disappointing other people's expectations that we've taken on. And so when we talk about being a better version of ourselves, I don't necessarily always know what that means. But what I can speak to is I can tell you being more of who you are is a thing. And and I think that should be our goal in life is to be more of who we are. And as we're being more of who we are, then we'll we'll uh, veer away from, or we'll, uh, move away from our edge away from who we're not. And the, the key in that though, is that we have to remove the judgment of who we thought we were and remove the judgment of who we see ourselves emerging as. A lot of times judgment gets in our way of actually being because we have this expectation of, and this, this, uh, perception of, or this, um, uh, picture of what the better version or the best version of ourselves looks like. And sometimes that's not the best version. Sometimes the best version comes with characteristics and comes with quirks and comes with things that you thought that you don't like. But if you can learn to embrace everything about who you are, even the things that you think are difficult the things that you think are are not uh, favorable things that you're not that you think are not desirable if you really could get into a space where you embrace those things without judgment and i can talk about judgment for a second is that when i when i say judgment sometimes people think of judgment and criticism as the same thing and judgment and criticism are two different things uh when i say judgment i'm talking simply about deciphering a thing trying to label a thing trying to name a thing trying to categorize a thing that's what judgment is when i mention judgment and so instead of trying to categorize an element of who you are, trying to categorize um, something about yourself or a quirk about yourself, instead of trying to categorize it, why don't you just let it be? Embrace it, even if for, just for now, because maybe you won't be that tomorrow. Maybe you won't be that a year from now. But if you would embrace it in the moment, perhaps then and in, in, in that space, you will find yourself in a place where you're discovering who you are, you're being who you are. And so that in and of itself, if we're going to use the word better, is your better self. Yeah, I like that. I like that. You went right into it because my next question was about that whole judgment factor, because I hear that term used so, so loosely. We are a judgment free zone. But we don't even realize that even even then say I'm a judgment free zone. We don't realize like how sometimes judgment shows up. So I'm glad. Yeah. The category, you know, categorizing things because we don't realize at times that that is, you know, a a method of judgment. I want you to stay here with me while I say this, because I want to see your face when I say this. So I was writing the other day and um, I was talking about 
judgment. And I was um, I was having a, a discourse about um, about judgment free zones. Uh, we were dealing with and a very touchy subject of, of child abuse and sexual abuse. And we were talking about, you know, how. Like I was talking about how for me, after I dealt with sexual abuse as a child and child abuse, I mean, essentially, um, I, I didn't in the environment that I grew up around the church environment that I grew up around, I didn't really have any safe spaces there and I didn't have any, anyone to talk to in those spaces. Um, I said, you know, and often even the people who would say, well, this is a judgment free zone. Um, in a sense, what they were saying was, I'm not going to upfront. I'm not going to say anything harsh to you about what my actual thoughts are about it. That's really what judgment free zone meant. But I said, we really have to, and, and in, in the discourse, I was saying that we really have to define clearly what that looks like, what a safe space looks like, not just a judgment free zone, but a safe space looks like because judgment can be absent, but perspective can be lost. And so sometimes we have to really understand that when we're talking about judgment it's not enough not to judge, but we also have to be in a perspective. Uh, a specific space for us now to have a widened context. And the thing that I learned about people in those spaces is they will say it's a judgment free zone, but it's a judgment free zone only to the barrier of their experience, only to the barrier of their perception. And so once I reach the barrier of their perception, if now the thing that I'm presenting to them extends beyond the comfortability of that, then the judgment shows up, even if they are a no judgment zone. And so I said, when we're talking about having safe spaces, we have to understand it from the context of two people whose context exists outside of the culture they're in. Because if you're, if your context doesn't exist outside the culture that you're in, then that's always going to be the barrier. But what if our context was not within a culture? What if our context was, Hey, I can't speak to whether that's right or wrong because I understand right or wrong as relative. And so I can't judge it. I, I can't decipher it because my context is you are just being. And if we get okay with who we are, then we open up ourselves for people to be who they are, even when we don't fully comprehend it. And I think that's the thing that we really have to talk about and think about is that we have to really embrace the thought of when we talk about judgment, judgment free is not enough. It has to be a, 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 judgment free zone, but it has to really just be a free zone where the person who you're talking to, the person who you're dealing with, the person who you're working with, the, the coach that you're hiring, the psychologist that you're working with, the mentor that you're working with is a person who is able, who has a wide context and is willing to simply let you be in that space. Because then once we remove judgment, if, think about it for ourselves. If we remove judgment internally and we just let us allow ourselves to be and remove the, the categorization and remove the, um, the uh, stigmas that we even put in ourselves outside of the cultural context. Here's the thing outside of cultural context, then who are we? If I was still living my life by a cultural context, I still, there are certain things I just would be doing something as simple as these things that are in my ears right now. They wouldn't be in my ears because the culture I came up in told me not to do that. And so if we can get beyond culture and come and, and just develop a sense of being and the freedom to be, then we can, often, I mean, ultimately create an environment that is safe for ourselves and for others. Yeah. All of that right there, that, that was, that was good. And I like what you talked about, not necessarily being a judgment free zone, but being a free zone. And it made me really think about it. Like where are my free zones? Where are those safe spaces where I can be authentically who I am. That that's that's something I wanna, to think about there. I want to hop in right there and say Go this ahead. is that even saying that this is a judgment free zone is a judgment because what you're actually saying is that there's something is present to be judged. Correct, correct, correct. Oh man. <laughs> it, it's it's wild. I'm like I was sitting there thinking about it. I was like, that's actually a judgment itself because you're saying there's something to be judged, but I won't judge it. And this is why I love having these type of conversations because sometimes we can be so, you know, narrow minded as it relates to something like we're zeroing in on it, that we are missing the full picture of it. And if we can yeah. have these free spaces to have these type of conversations, it'll help us back up from it for a minute and then begin to look around and, and get a different viewpoint of it. Yeah, because my question is, is what if you just showed up at a space, right? 
But let's just do something real quick. Just just in your mind, count to five. We're going to be completely silent. Just count to five. Okay. So in that time, that probably wasn't five seconds, like four and some change. But in that time, what was there? Nothing. But at the same time, same time, everything. Right. Because what room does judgment have there or the concept of judgment have there? None. Because in that moment, you and I were just sitting there being. The moment that judgment shows up is the moment that language shows up, which is why it's important what we say. Because whatever we language is how we define a thing and however we define a thing, then is how then our world will be shaped because our, our world is shaped in the in the our worlds are the shape of our words. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? I absolutely get it. Our world is the shape of our words. So now let's talk about that right there. Let's stay That's right good. there. Put that on my Instagram stories <laughs> <a little> later. <laughs> the world are the shape of our words. Let's say we are a person that has shaped this world based off of words that we have identified as negative. How do we begin to reshape our world? Do you need to? See, the moment that you remove the judgment of I need to reshape my world is the moment then that you free yourself for your world to become what it is. Because identity, the, the cool thing about identity is that you are always who you are. Are you expressing that? Maybe not. Maybe you're not expressing that, but you're always who you are. My goal is not to help you to reshape the world or your world. My Goal is to get you to a place where you're becoming who you are. You're being who you are. You're in, t- in tune with and operating from the place of who you are. And in doing so, then the things that you desire, you're yielding. Again, the, the reason why I have to remove the judgment thing is that the things that we call missteps or the things that we call failure are often things where we did not yield desired results. And so that could be a number of things as to why we didn't yield the results. But I think the number one reason, in my opinion, in my in my professional, educated and experienced uh, opinion is the reason why we don't really experience the results that we desire is because we say we desire one thing, but then internally we are working against what we desire because we often work against our identities by trying to shape them, by trying to, by trying to um, make them be a thing, by trying to contextualize them, by trying to judge it, by trying to reshape it and change our lives. What if we don't change our life? What if we don't need to change our lives? What if we're just perfectly fine who in, who, as who we are and where we are right now? Because when I do identity work, I'm not doing identity work because there's fundamentally something wrong with you. I'm doing identity work so that I can help you identify what's blocking you from being the most authentic version of yourself. And then whatever you desire at that fundamental level, because a lot of times we will have desires that were given to us, but they're not necessarily innate in us. And so, you know, you could be somebody who is going to law school because really your father or your mother wanted you to be a lawyer because they were a lawyer. And then, you know, you're going to law school, but then deep down you want to be a trapeze artist. And then, you know, that's, that's your heart of hearts to be a trapeze artist. But you say, well, trapeze is just my hobby when really it's your core desire and probably is a thing that's most akin to your identity. And so that's the thing that I do in identity work is help you to identify where those misalignments are so that you can identify what is not you so that you can be you and then yield the desired results. Because oftentimes what happens with, is when I help people get to that core identity, then what they desired changes because a lot of times those desires were not theirs to begin with. And so if we can really get to a space in this where we get out of the mentality of trying to reshape our world, our our world is constantly being shaped. Our world is constantly being shaped. And this is the thing that the thing that we have to understand, whether we're doing it intentionally or unintentionally, our words are constantly shaping our world. They're constantly shaping our world. And so because they're constantly doing that unknowingly or be or knowingly, we all I help people do is to come into that level of consciousness, align it with who they are, and then to create the world and to build the world that is most authentic to them. That's it. It's not about recreating your work because I might do some work with you and we get to your core identity and you realize, and this is what happens with a lot of people too, is that they realize they're being exactly who they were. They just weren't in touch with it. And so it's not always about reshaping your world, but being conscious of it and then allowing yourself to be that even more. 
Okay, okay. So now let's shift gears because we're, we're talk. I want to really get into the identity work aspect of everything. Who do you believe, as you were talking about, you, you took the seven days to define who it was that you wanted to work with, okay? Is there a specific professional, a specific entrepreneur that you work with? Who should should join in this work? Who should be the one that that says, you know what, okay, I hear what you're saying. This is for me. Let's go. Um. So my... uh. I'll, I'll call my ideal client, right? Um, and just typically my clients are people who are very much committed to self introspection, um, are committed to introspection rather, uh, people who are committed to, um, self investment, people who are really, uh, individuals who want to be their most authentic self, right? Um, generally speaking, those people are people who are intuitive. Um, they're, they're, you know, clairvoyant, they're prophetic, uh, they're whatever, whatever the words you have for it, they're those type of people. And really their ultimate goal is to be able to navigate their careers and their lives seamlessly so that there's no division between their life and their business. Uh, it's not a specific industry. It's not a specific career path. It's not that. It's based on people who are willing. See, the, the awesome thing is that anybody really could be my ideal client, but it deals with their ability and their freedom to allow themselves to navigate spaces, even if you haven't come to a place where you have let yourself be, but you're at least willing to navigate spaces that may be uncomfortable or spaces that have been unexplored. You have to be okay with the unknown and then be willing to trust somebody, perhaps who you don't know, i.e. me, to help you navigate those spaces, knowing that you're in a safe space, that you're in a free space. And so my ideal client is really anyone who has this knowing, right? Has this sense of knowing. They know there's more, there's something different. They can't quite put their finger on it, but they also realize that there's misalignment. That's my ideal client. Those are people who I work with. Hopefully I answered your question accurately. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You answered. You're talking about the sense of knowing, right. that sense of knowing. Many times when we get to that sense of knowing, we either judge it or we start to fight it as opposed to embracing it. How does one get to that space where they finally embrace that knowing and not look at it as, oh, I'm just being, you know, I'm, I'm just being extra or I'm being, yeah. you know, trying not satisfied with what I have. or I'm ungrateful. There we go. I'm just being ungrateful. How does one get to that space where they, they, they can really connect with that knowing? I'm pointing because I don't want you to, I didn't want you to leave just yet. If you get, because I, I, just, I just want to do this here. So um, I'm going to ask you a question. I'm going to answer your question by asking you questions. Mm-hmm. Um, just name three things about yourself that you that you feel like are challenges with you. I overthink. Okay. okay. Um, sometimes I get disinterested very easily. Okay. And. Sometimes I'm extra quiet. Okay. All right. Who told you that you overthink? I told myself. Who told you that you're disconnected? I told myself. And who told you that sometimes you're too quiet? Other people have said that. Okay. Watch this. Where did you learn the word overthink? I mean, in school. Where did you learn the word disconnect? Disconnected. School. Where did you learn the word quiet? What if you didn't have language for those things? If you didn't have language for them thing for those things, there would be no judgment. Right. It's often the words of ourselves or other people that contextualize an inner experience that we can't describe. But I learned overthink because I had context for overthink. And so now I know what overthinking is. But what we do then when we get context for a thing, then we over contextualize it. Because sometimes I overthink, and so we start overthinking about overthinking. Sometimes we feel disconnected, and so we overly connect with people because we feel dis- we feel like we feel that we disconnect. Sometimes we say we're too quiet, and sometimes we talk too much. I.e., me, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> I feel you. There's always going to be one of those moments. Okay, but but my 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 point in in saying that though is. That's why I do the work that I do. 
because I'm trying to remove the language from your identity. I'm trying to remove the barriers from your identity. I'm trying to get you out of the things saying I overthink. I'm trying to get you out of not even trying, but I'm my, my work is to get you out of I overthink. I'm disconnected, all that stuff. Yeah, we give those that context to things. Why? So that we can express an internal experience. But do you, have you ever thought about this? Somebody who's from another country speaks a different language. Do they think in their language? Think about this. We learned to think in English because we heard people talking English. But if we were never in an environment that we heard sound, how does a person who's never heard before think? They think by what they see, perhaps. But what if a person was blind and deaf? Helen Keller, for instance, she had to navigate through feeling. But what if all of our our sensual crutches were removed? And we had to contextualize our world without words, without sight, without feeling, without smelling, without tasting. And we had to experience ourselves outside of that. Guess what happens? There's nothing to judge. We often overthink. We often find ourselves disconnected because we're trying to process stuff that's being given to us. But that's the purpose of that higher consciousness. That's the purpose of the mind. That's the purpose of that knowing to inform us to that's that intelligence that informs us against what we've been receiving externally, because that thing actually exists within us. And so sometimes we get context that will cause us to overthink. But the response to overthinking is not to think about overthinking, but it's to ask ourselves, what do I know? Because if we can ask ourselves what we know, and remove the judgment for, from it, then we'll stop saying stuff like saying stuff like, oh, I'm I'm just being extra. I'm just being emotional. No, you're not. You're being. <laughs> and if you remove the words and you remove the context from those things and you allow it to be, then it will produce what it needs to produce. But a lot of times we don't get what we could get out of circumstances. We don't get what we could get out of our, our personality characteristics. We don't get them out of them because before we allow them to do the work they're doing, we judge them, we suppress them and shut them down. And so they can't do their work. They can't do their job. And so if we take everything, even if it does not make us feel the desired emotions, right? Because again, and I, and I can't say good emotions, bad emotions, but I'm talking about emotions that we don't desire. If we will, because some people don't desire to be happy. Some people don't desire to feel, feel joy because sometimes for them, joy is associated with disappointment. And so there are people who don't want, but what if, we just allowed whatever we're experiencing now, no matter how undesirable it is, or how, you know, the, the, the feeling is experiences. If we just let that be and take its course, what will we actually get out of it? And that's the thing about knowing. Knowing is something that allows. Knowing allows you. Why? Why does knowing allow? Knowing allows because it knows the truth, despite what we're being faced with. It knows the truth of who we are. So you can tell me, Michael, you talk too much. And I, and I go, you know what? I do. But at the same time, I don't. As a matter of fact, I don't talk enough because I am both yet that at the same time, because we don't have to be either or we can be both. And that's the joy about it. And so I, that's why I said that words, our worlds are the shape of our words, because we have all this context for things that we are or are not from words that were given to us. And what if we couldn't language it? Wouldn't we just be? And that's the power of identity is that power is or is not, despite what is said, what, despite what is processed in our minds, our identities just are. And they're not confined to our own definitions of it because our definitions are finite, but our identities are infinite. Good, good, good. Now, listen, it's the top of the year. Okay. It's, it's a brand new year. You already know. Everybody's made their declarations. New year, new me. This is my year. Forget about last year. Forget about all the other years. This is the year I'm going to do me. This is the year I'm going to cut off everybody I need to cut off. You know, whatever individual's declarations are. At the beginning of the year, why does it seem like everyone has all this great momentum, this excitement, this thrill of the moment? But as time continues on, we start to see some of that excitement 
died down. And by the sixth month, okay, this year done hit me hard. But I'm telling you, next year, that's going to be my year. Well, I think the breakdown and the misalignment happens at a level of understanding time in general, right? We often tend to view time on a continuum, right? On a, on a linear continuum. That's how we view time like this. So this back here is the past, this is the present, and that's the future. So that's how we view time on this linear. When the truth of the matter is, is that because, <laughs> because there is an infinite world where time is not a thing, Right. There's an infinite world that exists outside of us where time is just not a thing. Uh, the past, the present, the future are happening simultaneously. Um, I'm probably going to mess with some people's thought processes right now, but just allow me. Um, the past, the present, the future are happening simultaneously. Uh, Mike, how can you say that? Because I know people who are right now living in the past. And we think about living in the past about through experiences, but the past is not about experiences. The past is literally about a dimension or a paradigm through which you live. And so when we view time linear and don't understand that right now I can be living in the past, the present and the future simultaneously. That's the reason why people say, I'm going to do this new year, new me, all this stuff. And then some, at some point they get discouraged or some at some point they come down from it because something from another dimension has shown up. And so there are people who tell us to be completely present, right? Be in the now, be in the now, be in the now. But what I've learned is that being present is not necessarily about operating always in the now. It's allowing every dimension of who you are to show up. For you to allow that to be so that you can flow because there's something about the past that can inform you because it's happening simultaneously. There's something about the present that can inform you because it's happening simultaneously. There's something about the future that can inform you because it's happening simultaneously. And if you allow all those dimensions of who you are, because you are the past, present and future simultaneously, if you allow all those to inform you at the same time, they'll work together to create a narrative and create a flow. Because if I don't know where I'm going, if I don't have insight into the future, see, what are when we have when we say we have goals, we have dreams, we have visions for our lives. What we're really talking about is a bit is the future that we see for ourselves or the future that we're existing in. We're existing in a future paradigm in that area. And so whatever's going on in our present, in our now, whatever's happening in, in the now, it has to work in tandem with that. But also what is happening in our past also has to work in tandem with that so that it can create the desired result. But when those things are out of alignment or when we start, again, Introducing the, the concept of judgment into those things, then what happens then is that the past, the present, the future start working against each other. And so by the time uh, the what was what was then the future, right, say three months in the future becomes the now we haven't actually in that previous now, which is now in the past, we have not allowed that to work for us to the thing. And so now what we thought our future was going to be has gotten pushed a little further into what we know as the future or has gotten delayed, so to speak, because now we're not allowing all those things. But if we would allow ourselves to let go of the judgment, even of time, thinking that time goes like this and understand that time is only going to operate at the speed of your alignment. If you understand that time only operates at the speed of your alignment, then you understand that you can have a future and a moment from now, your future could be now. Think about people who win the lottery. People win the lottery and, and in a moment, once they get a notification, their life changes. Even though maybe they don't have the funds in hand, the context of their life changes. The paradigm of their life changes now because they have access that they didn't have. And so what would happen if we embrace every dimension, the past, the present, the future, the future dimensions of us and allow them to work together, then we can be infinite beings. We can tap into that identity and then yield desired results. And we don't have to worry about whether or not we're going to reach our, our uh, New Year's resolutions because time is no longer a factor. It's the dimension through which I live, the paradigm through which I live. Man, listen, y'all see why I work with him? Do you see why I work with him? Okay. I just want y'all to see this. Listen, if they want to sign up, what's the next step for them to sign up? you know, to work with you? Well, you can visit YourSupernormal.com. That's YourSupernormal.com. Um, there I have everything, uh, the programs that I'm running, things like that. And there are sign-up forms for everything. Um, I am 
I have a community that I am leading called the Identity Integration Group. I have a process called the Identity Storyboarding Process that helps us get to the core of our identities and really helps us start to map out and to categorize in a way where we can do it in our business. You know, we can categorize for our businesses where these things fit, what our goals are, who, what our front facing reputation is, things like that, who, what assets we have, what tools we have. And so we do have that. Um, but there's a number of things that I do. I do a cohort, um, several times throughout the year that people can be a part of. But if you want to learn about all those, again, just visit yoursupernormal.com. Um, I'm not really into the whole plug thing. I think if you go to the website, you engage the content, then you'll find your way. You'll navigate to where you belong. So what is the difference between supernormal and supernatural? Okay. Um, supernatural. Uh, when we talk about natural, the word natural or the word nature, right? We talk about the innate state of a thing. With supernatural, uh, you're in your super innate state or your above average innate state is perfectly fine. But supernormal speaks to me on a different level because the word normal, uh, a lot of times we think about normal, we think about what is mundane, right? But when I use the word normal, I'm using this definition. The word normal means to set a standard or one who sets a standard. A person who is normal is a person who sets a standard. And so when I say supernormal, I'm saying that it is a standard that is above the rest, that is beyond the rest, that is beyond our, our finite understanding in our brains. And so what supernormal means when I say it's supernormal, it is us setting a standard, setting a standard, but that exists beyond the context of what is. I know people say there's nothing new, nothing new, nothing new. But the truth of the matter is, is if you tap into your supernormal, which is your identity, that infinite place, you can bring into the finite. You can bring into context, right? You can contextualize something that's never been seen before. And so that's what supernormal is, is you're setting a standard that is ideal and that is um, characteristic of you. And so the supernormal and the supernatural come into come into one, but supernormal is about setting a standard and not a standard that was set, set for you, but the one that comes for your own consciousness, from your own identity, from your own supernormal. You have given us a master class on today. Wait, um, if I've done that, then wait a minute. We need to charge for this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really, though, you have really given us a master class on today. I think the main thing that I wanted people to gain an understanding of was what the identity strategy work is, uh, because a lot of people have never heard of it. And they hear me talk you know, about it. I like to call myself the, the father of identity strategy. You yes, know, the father. <laughs> you, know, definitely, definitely. you know, no, but no, seriously, I, I, it's not anything that I had heard, ever heard of either. Yeah. And and I like that, that you pointed that out. It's not anything that I ever heard of either. It's something that came up out of me while I was working, which is why I said you can create something that does not exist because you have the power to create context, but it's going to come from that supernormal. How do you think people come up with these inventions that, we didn't know we didn't know that we need social media Absolutely. until it was invented. We didn't know that we needed the Internet until it was invented. People were able to take this idea that existed beyond this world and use things in this world to contextualize it. That's the cool thing about identity is that identity uses what we have at hand to contextualize what we could never what we could never put our finger on. And so that just even me being an identity strategist, I'm probably I'm sure that maybe somewhere in the world, somebody calls it an identity strategist. I'm sure what they do is probably light years away from what it is that I do. But there are people there may be somebody who calls myself an identity strategist. But in the context of what I do and who I am, I am creating a lane. And that's the awesome thing about identities that it allows you to create a lane, but it also then requires you to show up in a way where you're not afraid. We don't want to allow fear or judgment to hinder you now from entering into a place where there's no context for you to take your machete through the woods and just start uh, blazing a trail because that's what identity does. It causes you to blaze your own trail, create your own context that did not previously exist. And that Actually, then we talk about branding and stuff. You don't have to talk about what differenti differentiates my brand or we don't have to talk about what sets me apart or, or what, what makes me above the competition because there is no competition because there's no context for who and what it is that I am. And I think that, that that's, that's the, the, the importance of, of what you do is because 
there are people that are out there that have these ideas, they have these strategies, they have all of that on the inside of them. However, as you said, we sit at that space of judgment and thinking, well, I've never seen anybody else do this. Nobody's ever introduced it this way. Nobody's ever done it this way. And they're looking at it from a negative standpoint. And when you can connect with you as the identity strategist, you begin to heighten that awareness that, oh, this is why it's different than everybody else is because it's connected to my identity. Can I ask you a question? Mm -hmm. What is something that is negative? What what is negative? Um, what what qualifies something as negative? Well, I, when I look at it, I would say it would be something that we look at as something that wouldn't be um, a good factor or a positive factor, you know, in our life or something that would not would not be received. There we go. Here we go. Would not be received as the normal. Right. Okay. So it would not be received as the normal. Fair. Right. Would not be received. So. Is it negative or is it new? It's new. See, here, here's my thing. You almost can't, can't say what is negative without saying the word positive. Yeah. You almost can't do it. I was because, trying not to say positive. That's the thing that I was trying to figure out. You know because what, I'm what negativity, yeah. what the word negative really is, is an illusion. Because the word negativity is associated with rejection. But that's the reason why I have a job is because too many people put a lot in what other people say or think when there's a whole internal context through which you can operate from where that doesn't matter because guess what? There was no context for identity strategy, but I, got, but I have clients because I showed up as something that somebody felt like they needed to connect with because whatever it is that I am is in them. And so it, whatever's in us connected. And so I don't have to be accepted by this group. I don't have to be accepted by this world because in creating my own context. Now I'm setting myself up to reach a market that has not yet been tapped. That's the reason why competition is a myth. Because so is negativity. Absolutely. And that's why I was saying, that's why, like, connect. I'm telling you now, connect, because that which is in you has to come out, needs to come out. And I'm waiting for it to come out because it is you. It is your identity. And that's the, the grateful thing that I have about uh, Michael's program is that it really helped me connect with some of the things that I had forgotten and some of the things that, I had lost the context of. What do I often say? I say, I have nothing to give you. Remember, that's one of my rules. Yep. That one of, the, one of the things I lead with when I work with you. Yep. I have nothing to give you. Everything you need to be is in you. If I say something to you and you go, oh my God, you know why you're able to do that? It's because that context <laughs> existed in you. And now all I did was through my words, I penetrated the dimension of you where that stuff existed in the first place. That's it. So I want to ask you one more question before we let you go. Cool. Um, you, as I said, you've given us a lot of gems. <laughs> All right. You know, delete this whole episode. <laughs> Matter of fact, we have a whole new um, segment on our show. And that segment is called Dropping Gems. So. Uh, <laughs> I quit. I really do quit this. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. But if everyone was to forget, hypothetically, if they were to forget everything that you have said on today, what would be one takeaway that you would want them to have? The one takeaway that um, if you forgot everything else, this is probably the simplest takeaway. And, and it's a one word takeaway. B. That's it. B. Because if I tell you to be, you say be what? Mm -mm. Just simply be. That's a takeaway. Because if you can simply be, then you'll become. And I like that because I think sometimes we think that the things that we view as simple, we have to keep adding on to it 
and make it like this whole complex thing. But as you said, if we just be, that's that's all we need to be. So, Michael, thank you for joining us on today. I truly appreciate the Thank you for having me on today. <laughs> really, though? <laughs> on today. On today. <laughs> Listen, listening audience, thank each and every one of you for listening. If it was not for you, hey, we wouldn't be here. So I want to thank you for listening. I want you to connect with Michael. Remember his website is going to be at the bottom of the screen. Make sure you connect with him. Also, make sure you have joined our text community by texting Clarity to 302-208-9440. Listen, if you let me know that you heard this episode in its entirety, we're going to enter you for the drawing at the end of the month. All right. Well, also, I just want you to spell clarity for people because I think some people probably don't know how to spell clarity. All right, clarity. <laughs> C-L-A-R-I-T-Y. Clarity. All right. Yeah, I'm just saying because I don't want you to miss no opt-ins. Um, that's why you don't let me be on your commercial. Leave me, let me leave you alone. You know what? Like, somebody sitting at home like, you know what? Have a smartphone. I don't know how to spell clarity. It's like K-L- <laughs> All right, I'm sorry. Oh, man. Listen, y'all. Thank you all for joining us. As I always say, create a great day. Well, there you have it. That's today's episode of the Multidimensional Intelligence Podcast. If you want to be notified of all future episodes while having access to previous episodes, simply subscribe to your preferred listening platform. Also, if you feel inclined, leave us a five-star rating and review. For those who want to remain connected to me and all things that I have going on, text me at 302-208-9440. Again, 302-208-9440. Until next time, peace.